Everybody, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. I'm Corinne. And I'm Sabrina. How's it going? Welcome back. Are you talking to me or are you talking to the, the people listening? <laughs> well, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, how's it going? Welcome back. And I'm like, me, welcome back. I come well, here you every welcome week. Welcome back, too. Wait, can we look out my window real quick and the creepy man? <laughs> He's just standing there and what's he doing? I don't know. He's a little older, too. Oh, he has a dog. Oh. (laughs) That was creepy, though. He's kind of just standing there rocking back and forth. Yeah. That was weird. At least it's still light out, so you can see. Can you imagine if it was just darkness and there was someone? Just Just standing there really creepily? I used to actually do that. You used to stand creepily? Yes, I did. You know when you're little (laughs) and you play... Flashlight tag or sardines or any of those games like out of yeah. night in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. So I used to stand underneath the street lights once in a while and just flip all my hair down, my long dark hair, and just stand there and like kind of rock back and forth, back and forth, like some freak the other kids out. Yeah, exactly. That's it awesome. usually ended with me scaring myself because I was alone in the darkness. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I couldn't help but creepily stand underneath street lights as a young child. Speaking of creepily standing. What? No. I didn't just, mean to you can't. I, I meant it as a segue because... You kept saying that, but then you weren't looking at me. Your eyes kept going to the side. Oh. Like there was something in my screen. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. It's... <laughs> well, now this isn't as exciting. I gripped I was... my chest, my heart. <laughs> I was protecting myself. I was going to say that for Halloween, I want to be Samara. That was my Halloween idea that I wanted to be. Wait, is that what you're going to be? Mm-hmm. Have you decided? I decided. I'm pretty positive <laughs> that's what I'm going to be. That's so good. You should do that. We're both going to have long, dark hair because I'm being Kylie Jenner. I know. I'm so excited. The struggle is, okay, so for people who don't know yet, my plan is to be Kylie Jenner because she's pregnant. So I was going to start off as regular Kylie Jenner. And then as the night progresses and I'm drinking beer and I'm getting bloated, I'm going to soon look like pregnant Kylie Jenner. So I basically get two costumes in one. But my concern is that I'm going to just wake up already bloated on that day and I'm never going to look like skinny Kylie Jenner. I'm just ignoring all of your self-slander. But that's what I always do. I know, but you need to be nicer to yourself. Can we revisit your character, June. Should we talk, <laughs> talk about, about it? Sabrina, I mean, we've referenced this in previous episodes, but you get really into your characters. I know. And where were we? Oh, it was a... It was, it was a Halloween party. It was a Halloween party on campus. It was when we were in college. I think we were juniors. And Sabrina became this character called June, and she wore, like, all black, and her hair was in her face. And she didn't talk the entire night. Like, not at all. Just death glares at everybody. And at one point, everyone was like, where's Sabrina? But we don't say Sabrina. We're like, where's June? And she's standing up on the balcony, (laughs) looking down at the party, so serious, just flipping on a lighter. She pulls out a lighter out of her pocket. It's just staring at everyone holding the light. Two stories about that night. One. Yeah. I was at the party and I went to go to the bathroom at a point and I, on the bathroom counter, I found a lighter and I said, this is too great. This is too perfect. I need to, I need to incorporate this into my character. (laughs) And then I later climbed into a tree and just stared at everyone at the party with the lighter, like lit, just staring through the light. (laughs) And these two girls who I had no idea who they were came up to me and they were like, oh my gosh are you okay? We, I know we don't know each other, but I just want to make sure you're okay. And I had to break character. They thought you were on drugs. Like, no. Yeah, probably. Or like just a, a depressed person. I don't know. But I had to break character. And I was like, yes, it's totally, I'm fine. If you knew oh, me, no. it's just a character. 
And it doesn't help that all of our friends get so into it, too. So we're always like, June, June, did you see June? Like, yeah. God, don't mess with June. Like, we get so into your characters and we treat you like your character. Well, so I that was. probably didn't I help. Fully, I fully became June. And we still talk about June. And it's yeah. four years later. We'll post a picture of June on Instagram. Someone, oh, yes. We should do, like, flashbacks to the best costumes. Yeah. And then when we're together in Salem, we'll have to take a picture of us in our costumes and post those, too. Also, one of the girls in my class, she told me where to find the cemetery and the houses from Hocus Pocus. No way. Yeah, so we should go. Absolutely. And we can also go to the – there's, like, a Salem Witch Museum, and then there's also a Salem Witch House. There's so many things. I did the Witch House – tour before and i'm really excited i'll do it again i'll do everything let's just do it all. i've never done any of it because i was like and you live there well i'm waiting for you <gasps> thanks and i want to do it alone i'm too scared i don't have friends <laughs> <laughs> oh there's Lay. come here kitty i got really scared writing my story really i mm-hmm. i'm really excited i'm always excited i realize every time i listen to the podcast episode (laughs) i'm always i always say i'm really excited because but i am i'm genuinely excited but i'm especially excited this time because you picked this topic and i wasn't really sure what to expect from it like when i was researching Mm -hmm. okay we should probably say the topic too it's haunted hikes and trails yeah yeah yeah. because it's leaf peeping season yeah so if you want to go outside go look at some foliage hang with your ghosts yeah. And in my case, go hang out with the New Jersey Devil. <laughs> what? Wait, Sabrina, I almost chose this one. No. I almost did it because I was like, oh, I'm going to surprise Sabrina and do New Jersey and do the New Jersey Devil. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you didn't because I was really excited to be like, Corinne, I pulled a U and I went back to my roots. It's your moment. It's New Jersey's moment. The hiking trail that I chose is called the Batona Hiking Trail, and it's in the New Jersey Pinelands. The Batona Trail is a 53.5-mile hiking trail through the New Jersey Pine Barrens. It is one of the longest trails in the state, and it begins in Brendan T. Bryan State Forest at the ghost town of Ong's Hat. That's a town that it used to be a big town and then all of a sudden no one lives there and there are all these just buildings that are covered in group and shrubs and trees and where did they go no one knows no i don't know (laughs) aka you don't know i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i did look it up a little bit but no one told me i had to do this (laughs) we're only talking about i'm only talking about the potona hiking trail and okay. if you want anything else. Yeah, just look it up yourself. Everyone has Google. Uh, just kidding. I'm going to go back to. Where was Bologna. Bologna. Bologna? No. It's, ba- What's it called? <laughs> Batona. Okay. So the Batona Trail is a 53.5 mile hiking trail through the New Jersey Pine Barrens. It's one of the longest trails in the state, and it begins in Brendan T. Bryan State Forest at the ghost town of Ong's Hat, and it traverses through a bunch of different state forests. Um, The trail was built in 1961 by the Batona Hiking Club, and it takes about three days to hike the whole trail, but it's considered an easy hiking trail because it's relatively flat, not fat, it's relatively (laughs) flat. Um, It boasts a variety of plants and animals. There are 39 species of mammals. 229 bird species, 59 reptile and amphibian species, and 91 fish species that are all reported to have been seen in the area. And there's one special species that lives in the area. Oh, no. The New Jersey Devil. <laughs> so the marshes of southern New Jersey are, are said to be the home of the Jersey Devil. It's a kangaroo-like creature with yellow eyes, the head of a dog, bat-like wings, horns, and a forked tail. And if that sounds like your kind of beast, then the trail's for you. And You know what? Just sorry to pause, but this yeah. reminds me of when we did the Haunted Houses episode last episode. Yeah. 
where the guy, John, that I did, he saw that creature that was like half rabbit, half whatever. So maybe there are like weird devils around there. Yeah. Clearly in New Jersey there are. Yeah. So since the 1700s, thousands of people have reported seeing the Jersey Devil. And those who live near the Pinelands claim to hear the creature's screams late into the night. Oh, I don't like that. Thousands of people. Thousands. Thousands. Not just like, oh, 100 people over the past 300 years have reported seeing it. There have been over 2,000 documented sightings of a creature with the head of a dog, wings of a bat, deformed horns, and a forked tail. The legend dates back to New... Rewind. (laughs) The legend dates back to when New Jersey was still a British colony. And it dates back to this family that's... They're called the Leeds. That's their, their surname. And it's a family name of some of the earliest New Jersey settlers. And there are still descendants in New Jersey today. The Leeds family had a history of being rejected as political and religious monsters. And I thought this was really interesting. Benjamin Franklin and one of the Leeds sons, his name was Titan Leeds, both had almanacs and they were in competition with each other. And Benjamin Franklin, in his almanac, guessed the date of Titan Leeds' death. And after the date passed, Titan released another almanac that basically said that Benjamin Franklin was a liar and a cheat. And Benjamin Franklin was mad at him, so he accused Titan of being a ghost and writing the almanac from the dead. What? I just didn't think that Ben Franklin was a social guy. I kind of just thought he kept to himself and did his... But he's creating feuds. Oh, he's creating lots of feuds, and he's just trying to get his almanac out there and be the number one. I like him even more now. So he's calling people ghosts. What What an insult. What if I was still an insult today? Corinne, you're a ghost. (gasps) Well, you're a... C word. A cat lady. (gasps) (laughs) The ultimate insult. Yeah. Rubbing in my face what I can't have. Okay. So legend has it in 1735, a Pines resident known as Mother Leeds, a.k.a. Deborah Leeds, found herself pregnant for the 13th time. That's a lot. Could you imagine? No. Also, unlucky number 13. Question mark, question mark? Also, those were natural births. Oh, they didn't have the, the drugs to do it. No. And to make it worse, Mother Leeds' husband was a drunk, and they were having a tough time making ends meet for the family and the 12 other children that she had to raise basically by herself. So she was extremely frustrated when she found out that she was pregnant, and she raised her hands to the heavens and proclaimed... Let this one be the devil. <gasps> Why, mama? Hey, I don't know. If I was pregnant with my 13th kid, I might curse it too. Let this one be the devil. No, let this one be Jesus, come back again. Do all the stuff for me. Corinne, you're smart. You should have 13 kids and say that. <laughs> <laughs> then I can have my own TLC show. I'll finally be an actress. <laughs> That's the way you want to be an actress. Hey, I'd watch your show. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. So, right. So she raised her hands to the heavens and proclaimed, let this one be the devil. And a few months later, she went to labor and gave birth to a seemingly normal baby boy. But within minutes of his birth, Mother Leeds' wish from months before began to come true. In front of her eyes... The baby morphed. The baby turned into a hideous creature unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. The baby's cries turned into deep growling. It sprouted horns from its head, talon-like claws, leathery leathery bat-like wings. What? Wait, I gotta go close my closet door. I'm scared. okay sorry proceed okay so the baby's cries turned into deep growling and it sprouted horns from its head talon-like claws leathery bat-like wings grew from its back and feathers sprouted all over the child's body the child's eyes turned a glowing red and then the baby attacked and killed mother leeds it then turned on the rest of the family bit, clawed, and shrieked while tearing them limb from limb, 
killing some and maiming others. Those who survived to tell the tale said they watched as a beast escaped and flew out of the home through the chimney and into the Pine Barrens, where it has lived ever since. What the actual... When was this? This was in 1735. And it's still, like, people still see it today. So it's an actual demon. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Living in the woods. Absolutely. Why did it run to the woods? What does it live off of? Because don't demons need energy? Don't demonic spirits... Well, I'll read more about it, but the devil would come out during the years, but then once electricity and uh, all that came about, the devil kind of stayed in the Pine Barrens and only really messes with people who go hiking through the trail. It's like Voldemort. Wait, it totally is because... The unicorn blood. The New Jersey devil kills a ton of animals. Oh my god. So Okay, wait, so continue, because now I'm... okay. Today, this creature is known as the Leeds Devil, or more commonly as the Jersey Devil, and it claims the pines and terrorizes anyone who are unfortunate enough to encounter it. During the 18th and 19th centuries, the New Jersey Devil was spotted through the Pine Barrens, and unearthly whales were reported emanating from the dark forests and swampy lands. It would occasionally leave the Pine Barrens to haunt and terrorize locals in the nearby towns. The most famous of the in- these incidents was during the week of January 16th through January 23rd of 1909. Strange tracks were found in the snow. They went under and over fences, through fields and backyards, and even across rooftops of houses. Panic began to spread. The police hounds refused to follow the trail of mysterious tracks. And then schools Oh my and- god. You always have to trust your dog. <laughs> Dogs say no, you, you say no. Well, and then schools and workplaces began to close because the townspeople refused to leave their homes or travel outdoors. Like, it just became a period of no one going outside. So, imagine going through those towns at that time. It probably was, it probably looked like a ghost town. That would be the scariest thing in the world because if it's a, if it's a murderer out on the loose, you know what to look for. Mm-hmm. And you know what they're capable of. But if it's something supernatural, are you even safe in your house? Like, there's just no sense of security at all. No. And there was a couple who actually went outside because they heard something on their roof. And they looked up to the roof and there was this, like, beast on top of it standing on its hind legs and it had wings. And all of a sudden it just, like, flew off. But could you imagine being in, being in your house and hearing that on your roof? I'm just thinking, because that sounds exactly like a gargoyle. It also sounds like Santa Claus. That's a very evil Santa Claus. (laughs) So during that week, thousands of people reported seeing the creature. The beast was sighted in multiple multiple places and witnesses claimed it looked like a flying kangaroo. Police tried to shoot at it with no avail. People reported their livestock were being slaughtered. A woman saw it trying to eat her dog and she tried to hit it with a broom and then it randomly flew away. And it took multiple children that were never seen again. Um, what? Yeah. And it's crazy. I saw all these. There were tons of newspaper articles of people putting out rewards for capturing it. They were like $250,000 if you captured the New Jersey devil. People were asking priests to exercise the town. But nothing worked. And the New Jersey devil never left the Pine Barrens. So since that time, the sightings have been less and less, but people still report seeing it. And um, most of the reports are people finding strange tracks while hiking through the Pine Barrens. Um, Tracks that look like the footprints of a strange bird mixed with the hoof prints of an animal that walks on two legs. Those that have seen him describe him having the body of a kangaroo, the head of a dog, the face of a horse, large leathery wings, and antlers similar to those of a deer. And few can deny the creature's existence after spending just a few moments in the Pine Barrens. And fun fact, the reason that the New Jersey Devils NHL hockey team got their name is from this legend. Oh my god. So New Jersey takes their devil seriously. Paying homage to it with the sports team. Hey, someone's got to. What happened to the kids, though? No one knows. Children. That's the other crazy thing is that they found a lot of the they would they found so many animal remains that were just 
slaughtered viciously, but no one ever found children's remains. Do you think that the children turn into other demons? I hope so there not. are multiple demons. But I, uh, I. I, I want to say no because I feel like people would see them more often. But it's like mermaids. They're smart. They hide. They hide. It's possible. Well, I also found a few stories of people who experienced the New Jersey Devil. And one of them is Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's brother. <laughs> so many famous people in your story. How many people lived back then? A hundred? How do they all know each other? I don't know. They all came over on the same boat together. Okay. Right. Okay. So between 1816 and 1839, when Joseph Bonaparte, brother of Napoleon and former king of Spain, went into exile in the United States after he abdicated his throne, he purchased property in Bordentown, New Jersey, and he had an estate that was near the Pine Barrens, and he witnessed the New Jersey devil while hunting, and... During that time, the devil was killing tons of livestock, and he said he saw it feasting on an animal. And he didn't shoot it? Well, a lot of people try have tried to shoot it, and it just would not, it doesn't get harmed. There's a story of a man who was cleaning his cannon or doing something with a cannon and tried to shoot a cannon into the devil, and it seemed like it hit him, but the devil went, walked away completely normal, completely fine, no injuries. What's really bizarre to me is that it's it's scary and it's allowing itself to be visible, but it's not really paying attention right to people around it. Like what's the, what are you doing? What's the point of your existence? Well, it kind of seems like it gets off on just scaring people and it knows its physical appearance is enough to scare people. A lot of the stories are of it just standing and and people see it in their re- rearview mirrors. Or it blocks traffic and just stands in the middle of roads. And I actually got a bunch of small stories from weirdnj.com. There's one story of a 13-year-old who was camping in the Pine Barrens alone. My question is, why is the 13-year-old camping alone? That's like, I don't know what year this is, but he that went out to hunt. That doesn't sound right no, any, any year. Right. But he went out to hunt, and he said he noticed something following him back in the trees. It tailed him as he went back to his campsite, and the entire time he was preparing his dinner, he felt like something was circling the woods around his campsite. And all of a sudden, it seemed like the the visitor disappeared, so he just went back. He went into his tent for for the rest of the night, and then all of a sudden, he heard a foot stomp behind the tent, and then started hearing screaming and he compares it to the volume of a large truck's horn and he didn't know what to do he just stayed in his tent scared and then all of a sudden the screaming stopped but he never he didn't leave his tent until the morning i feel like being stuck in a tent must be one of the scariest places to be stuck because you're so vulnerable you're not there's not hard walls around you it's just a thin layer of fabric and and you can't see what's out there there's one way out, and they get to see you go out. Yeah. And you can't open the door from a distance. You have to be right up on that cloth. And there's no graceful it. or, like, quick way to get out. You know, it's like – it's I, I equivalate it to getting out of a cab in a dress or getting out of a car in a dress. Where yes. It takes a minute, you know? You can't mm-hmm. just jump out and start sprinting. No. You're extremely vulnerable. And if you try to do that yeah. – because it doesn't – the door doesn't go all the way to the ground for the most part. There's extra yeah. cloth, so you have to, like, step over the thing and crouch down through the... Right. You probably get your, like, clothing stuck on the zipper. Mm-hmm. You trip a little bit. There's too much fabric all hanging loose yeah. from the door. So it's a it's a lost cause at that point. And then if there are multiple people in the tent that have to get out, you're just... You're done. You get clobbered, yeah. Well, other campers have also woken up to the sound of what seems like a woman screaming. It's a blood-curdling scream over and over again. And due in part to its isolated and undeveloped nature, the Pine Barrens have a ton of other various folk legends apart from the New Jersey Devil. 
So some of the other creatures that are said to haunt the forest include the ghost pirate of Captain Kidd, who supposedly buried treasure in the Pine Barrens and is sometimes allegedly seen in the company of the Jersey Devil. Then there's the ghost of the Black Doctor, the benevolent spirit of an African-American doctor who, after being forbidden from practicing medicine due to his race, entered the Pine Barrens to practice medicine in isolated communities of the Barrens, and he's said to come to the aid of lost or injured travelers. And there's the ghost of the Black Dog, which is the, this is the part that reminded me of Harry Potter. Is um, It's usually portrayed as a harmless dog. And there's the ghost of the golden-haired girl that I didn't hear much about. But then there's the ghost of the white stag, which also reminds me of Harry Potter. It's a ghostly white deer said to rescue travelers in the barrens of, from any danger. Oh my gosh. This is Harry Potter. Yeah. But yeah, that is the Batona Trail in New Jersey Pinelands. It's so great because you said it was like 56 miles long or however long. Yeah, 53 miles long. That is not that much distance for how much is happening in that forest, in that trail. Yeah. The amount of spirits that are haunting that trail. I know. And the amount of, it's not even just spirits, it's like creatures. Yeah, it seems like, it seems like a magical forest almost. Do you want to hear what mine is? Yeah. What if I said no? I know. I was just thinking, what if you said no? And I was like, okay, thanks for coming, everyone. This has been Two Girls, One Ghost. <laughs> one girl, one ghost. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> You're going to go on. I'm going gonna solo. Beyonce. <laughs> Corinne, you're I such a mind. ghost. <gasps> you're such a cat lady. <laughs> okay. So I did the Appalachian Trail which is on the East Coast. It is 2,200 miles long. It goes from Springer Mountain, Georgia to Mount Katahdin, Katahdin, Maine. So it's basically the entire East Coast. Yeah, that's a long A trip. lot of land. So it passes through 14 states, Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ooh. New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. And the idea of the Appalachian Trail came to be around 1921. And then um, a little over a decade later in 1937 is when the trail was completed and people were able to walk the trail. Most hazards are related to weather conditions, human error, plants, animals, diseases, and hostile humans encountered along the trail. There haven't been that many reported reportings of hostile humans, but there was a crime committed back in May of 1981. This guy, Robert Mountford Jr. and this woman, Laura Susan Ramsey, were hiking the trail and they came across Randall Lee Smith and he murdered them. He was sent to prison for 30 years, but in 1996, so that's like half of his sentence... He was released on mandatory parole and was just on probation. And he got off of probation in 2006. And just two years later, on May 6th, 2008, he tries, he goes back to the same spot, like less than two miles away from where he first murdered the, those two people, Robert and Laura. And he tries to kill two fishermen. So he befriends the fishermen. He's chatting with them, like, hanging by the fire, eating with them, and then without warning, he pulls out his gun and he shoots them each twice. But the fishermen survive. Oh Randall gosh. Lee Smith, he takes off in his truck, and his truck crashes, and he dies. So. Karma! Yep. That's the only murder that I read that was related to the Appalachian Trail. So while murder and crime and animals and disease are a concern for anyone who's alone and vulnerable in the woods, yeah. their vulnerability often attracts something a little less human and a little less alive. What is it? Okay. Well, there are many things because let's remember, there's 14 different states along this trail. So I'm going to talk about a yeah, few it's ones. 2,000 miles, right? Yeah, a little over 2,000. My gosh. So... A lot of the stuff happens in Virginia, and I'll touch on quite a few of those stories, but I'm just going to tell you about 
two of the legends really quick, and then I'll tell you all the different real stories that I read on, like, Thought Catalog and Reddit and everything. I can't wait. I was so scared writing this. Okay. So the first legend is in Virginia. It's There's a marker on the top of Bluff Mountain, and it tells of Audie Klein Powell. He died 100 years ago at the age of four. His body was found at the bottom of the cliff and campers at the Punchbowl Shelter, which is one of the shelters along the Appalachian Trail, and it's just two miles away from where Audie was found. They've reported seeing him, or a boy, the apparition of a boy, wandering around the campground. So they just assume that it's Audie, and no one knows what happened to him. They don't, I mean, it's presumed. I know. It's presumed that he fell off the cliff since he was found at the bottom, but no one knows exactly how it happened, if he was alone. And a lot of people have come up with, they've speculated and come up with stories, but there's no actual evidence. But campers there in Virginia at the Punchbowl Shelter often see the apparition of Audie Klein Powell. In New Hampshire, there's a section that's known for the haunting of the Greenleaf Hut. So I like that name. I know, it's nice. This is a a more pleasant haunting. There was a hut master named Ben Campbell, and he was the one that was in charge of the Greenleaf Hut. And he passed away in Scotland, so not here in the U.S. and not in New Hampshire. But he had planned, when he was in Scotland, he had planned to return to New Hampshire. He was supposed to leave for New Hampshire soon. So they think that his ghost came back to New Hampshire, as was planned, and he haunts the trails right there. People have reported seeing him, and they report hearing his footsteps as well so what year what year was this it's a very good question sabrina you should look it up (laughs) let's pretend i didn't ask it but i just wonder i wonder what mode of transportation he used to get back and i wonder if if it was a plane he had the middle seat and he just sat there and existed as is with other people on the plane and i wonder if other people on the plane thought there were weird things happening it's like the haunted mansion when you go through the ride and the chair turns and there's a ghost in the mirror, like reflecting, yeah. sitting with you. Just would make a good movie. Ghost plane. Ghost plane. Snakes on a plane. Now you have ghosts on a plane. Snakes on a plane is the reason that I can't watch a scary movie with my feet on the ground. <laughs> so now I'm going to go into the real stories because those were just two little quick legends for you. But the real stories are what's terrifying. So that's what I wanted to focus on. So this one's from Reddit. Reddit user Zimby was backpacking along the Appalachian Trail in the late 2000s during the summertime. And Zimby and company woke up early in the morning and were met by dense mist all around them. They got out of their tent (gasps) and it was just completely misty everywhere. They packed up all of their belongings and they're starting to walk back along the main trail And then they heard children laughing and nobody said anything. And Zimbidi said that he thought that maybe he was the only one that heard the children because no one was really paying attention or like drawing any attention to what was happening. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, a line of children and one parent come out of the mist out of nowhere, walking diagonal to the trail. And the kids are still laughing. And then one child turns to the group of hikers and asks them where they're going. One of the people in the group says, oh, we're hiking the Appalachian Trail. And the child responds by saying, this isn't the Appalachian Trail. And the kids all just start laughing together again. And then they continued marching on and disappeared into the mist. But for the rest of the morning that Zumbi and crew were hiking, they could hear the laughter surrounding them in the mist. I think I broke my job because I'm in shock. Kids make everything creepy. It reminds me of like Ring Around the Rosie. Ooh, I don't like it. What, what's the adult doing? It's like, why are they there? Was this like a camping trip or like a, a Boy Scout trip gone wrong? Ooh. Oh, I, I wonder. The next couple stories are also from Reddit. Novice lunatic and melancholy girl. They're two people that I saw on Reddit that had very similar experiences on the Appalachian Trail. They were both in East Tennessee. 
and novice lunatic and his best friend were camping on the trail and they were only going for one day so it's just like a one night sort of trip they weren't doing the whole trail they set up their camp not far from the trailhead and when it got dark they were settling in they did the campfire um and they started as they're hanging out by the campfire they start hearing footsteps on the trail along their campsite and i mean people people hike the trail it's somewhat popular depending on which area of the trail you're in so they just think maybe it's someone else the whole woods everything just goes silent all the chirping of the birds and the crickets anything that's freaky no noise and then they witness a light bobbing back and forth up the trail and then it circles back towards them and then it goes away again. And they said it looked like something was holding a lantern. And the lantern was all that they could see. It was just a floating lantern bobbing up and down the trail like someone was walking holding it. So then they go to investigate because they're like, maybe it is someone. They go and investigate. And they're walking along part of the trail with their flashlights. They don't find anyone. So then they head back to the parking lot. And their car was the only car in the parking lot. So there was no one else that had gone to the trail via a car. It was just oh, them. That is freaky. Also, the idea of just being on a trail alone scares me. It's very scary because it, it's again, it's you're just super vulnerable and you're in the woods and it's the most creepy place to be alone. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not a place of comfort. So, melancholy girl and her husband had a very similar experience. They were in East Tennessee along the trail. And they were driving up the mountain, and they decided to stop halfway just to, you know, take in the scenery and hang out with each other. And then fog started very romantic until fog started rolling in. And then they could see what looked like a a lantern, again, bobbing in the mist at the end of a nearby bridge. And they just hustled back to their car and got out of there and have never gone back during night. Leia just came up at a perfect time and started nuzzling me and purring. She knows I needed the comfort. Oh, she's calming you. Thanks, Lay. All right. Here's another story. This one. More? Very scared. There's a few more. <gasps> these ones are a little less ghost related. They might be ghosts, but they, these two reminded me so much of Roanoke. Oh, no. Like American Horror Story. I mean, I didn't, obviously, Roanoke was something before American Horror Story. But this whole thing, I was like, this sounds exactly like Roanoke. And there was this guy, he's anonymous, so I don't know what his name was or is, but he had a really strange encounter. He and his girlfriend were hiking on the southern portion of Virginia's Appalachian Trail, and they were in the section that was about 166 miles long, and it ran from Roanoke County to Giles County. So they were in that area. I mean, 166 miles long, but still somewhere in that area. And it was early October, And he and his girlfriend were really excited to go then because they were like, oh, my gosh, it's just a great time to be out. If there's any leaves or anything changing, any foliage, we'll get to see it. Um, And then this section of the trail was very remote, and they liked that. They didn't really want to run into anyone. They were like, oh, it's, you know, a little romantic trip for us. So they were enjoying their alone time and enjoying being with nature. But a few nights in, they were visited. So on this part of the trail, you're supposed to stay in a, either the designated shelter or you're supposed to set up the camp on the trail. But they didn't want to do either of those. They ignored it and they just went mm-hmm. a little far away from the trail. Not too far, but they set up Rules a little distance away from reason. the trail, their camp a few nights in. So at 2 a.m., his girlfriend wakes up and tells him to grab the gun because there's someone outside the tent. And she said someone was circling the tent and she heard what sounded like a knife running along the tent. Oh, they sat silently listening for a few more minutes and then heard someone. He grabbed his flashlight and he went out of the tent and he stood silently in the darkness until he heard another crunch of the leaves and what sounded like footsteps. So he turned the flashlight on. It looked like someone had moved behind a tree and was hiding behind a tree. So he yelled out. He said, I'm armed. Like, go away. I'm armed. And then he hears someone running in a different direction through the woods. So he throws his flashlight over there. And then he just ends up sitting up all night, staying up all night, keeping guard. And in the morning, he discovered boot prints that didn't belong to either he or his girlfriend. And it appeared that there was more than one person by what he found. 
So the next night, they find a spot against a cliff so that no one can come up behind them. So at least they just have to worry about their sides and in front of them. And he and his girlfriend each have a gun. They're each sleeping with their gun. And he stayed awake for quite a few hours, but then he eventually dozed off. And when he woke up, he woke up to the sound of someone going through their stuff. And the light from the fire that they had that night was still going, so he could still see the glow of the fire. And alongside the glow of the fire, he could see the silhouette of someone. He yelled at them to leave from inside the tent and that he was armed, and they ran away. So he comes out of the tent and he sees that their stuff was thrown everywhere. Like someone was actually rummaging through their stuff. So he walks in the direction that he heard the person run. And then he saw a lantern down by the creek. And then all of a sudden he saw a few more lanterns come out from behind the trees and join the, that other lantern. Oh my gosh, this is so much like Roanoke. So much like Roanoke. It gives me chills. So he and his girlfriend are like, what the fuck? We have to leave. So they pack up in the middle of the night. They pack up as much as they could. They left their tent. They left other items. They literally just grabbed what they needed, their their valuables, and they start hiking. So in the few days that they had been hiking, they still hadn't come across any other hikers. So they were like, oh, my gosh, we're in so much danger. Like, this, someone's trying to kill us. We are incredibly scared. They wanted that. So they have been hiking for a while now because they left in the middle of the night. And then – the guy heard something again and he turned around and he saw someone step out from the trail and was just standing there watching them and it was just the silhouette of someone. So then they just, they eventually peaced out and... Oh my gosh. Yeah. They have no idea what happened. And my last story that I'm going to tell you is similar. In 1998, there was a guy that was hiking along the trail and he noticed a bright light coming from the forest, but he didn't investigate because he was like, oh, it's probably another hiker. So he set up camp nearby and put up a hammock because he was going to sleep in a hammock, not a tent. And he woke up in the middle of the night to a man standing over his hammock and the man yelled that he was awake, yelled to some other people that he couldn't see, like, the hiker is awake. So the hiker grabs his stuff and just freaking bolts out of there. He doesn't stop hiking for a few days. He's like, I'm getting out of here. So he doesn't sleep. He just keeps hiking for a few days. And then he's like, okay, I, I've made enough distance. I can rest. So he sets up his hammock and goes to sleep. He wakes up by his hammock being cut down and him being wrapped up in it and being dragged away. He's beaten and the people are shouting at each other during this process, like yelling about potentially like doing something like some sort of ritual, like some, they were preparing him for something. So he managed to cut through the hammock and escape. And he went to the police to say he was kidnapped and people were trying to like murder him. And the police investigated it, but they didn't find anything. So he left the experience thinking that there was some like hillbillies or something, some cannibalistic tribe that were after him. But it sounds a lot like Roanoke. It sounds so much like Roanoke. Yeah. And I think we should tell everyone to go on a nice hike after this. Go peep some leaves. Go enjoy the fresh air, the sounds of nature, and being Go alone. alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The crunching of leaves. It's the best way to hike. <laughs> the scariest way. Oh, my gosh. That's terrifying. I know. Oh, also, while I was doing this research... Before, I mean, I had already picked the Appalachian Trail, but like I said before, I was kind of bouncing around and looking at some other stuff. And I saw that one of the haunted trails is Murphy Ranch in L.A. Yeah. So for those that don't know anyone new to L.A. or have never been there, Murphy Ranch is an old Nazi sympathizer camp that was taken over by the government. And they gave it, it was turned into like an art exhibit sort of thing for people, artists to just yeah, like go graffiti and... And whatnot. So it's these really old concrete buildings that have been graffitied over. And it's a, like a three-mile hike or four-mile hike or something. And it's really cool inside. It's an easy hike, too. It is. It is. And you go up, like, into the Hollywood Hills or something to get to it. Mm -hmm. I've done it a couple times. Um, but I had no idea that it was haunted. But it reminded me of – so I – Erwin and I went and, like, packed sandwiches and, like, went and did the hike – and just hung out. But the whole time, 
both of us were kind of like looking over our shoulder and we were just like, this is kind of like, I don't know, you just kind of get an uneasy feeling there. Yeah. So I wasn't that surprised to see it on the list. But I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that this these feelings were justified, that it's known as being creepy. There's one building there that looks like it either burnt down or people just up and left randomly because there's tons of like, there's a toilet and a bathtub and it looks like there's a ton of mm-hmm. stuff there. And there's also a bunch of abandoned cars. I don't remember seeing the cars. I must not have done the entire thing. Yeah, I I did it with Nick a few years ago. And I remember there was like kind of like an old yellow van of sorts that was there. And people had graffitied that as well. But it 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 had looked like it had fallen off the road and was stuck in a bank. Yeah, I don't like that. I didn't know it was haunted either. Yeah, very scary. A lot of trails, like, you would be surprised if you Google haunted trails. There are haunted trails just about everywhere. So you might be going on your pleasant little hike with your dog, but go a few miles further and you might not. But you're smart to bring your dog because your dog will warn you. Mm Mm-hmm. Always trust your dog. Speaking of that, one time, my dog and I were in – we were hiking. There's a little nature trail outside of the middle school in the town that I – live in and my dog wrinkles when he was alive i walked him over there and we went back into the trail and we were pretty deep in and there was a rustling in the in the leaves oh my gosh and so it was i assume it was like a bear or a coyote or something and wrinkles just freaking bolted out of there like didn't no concern for me at all none he sprinted like his life depended on it so i took that as i better fucking sprint and he was waiting for me at the trailhead. So he was he was waiting right at the entrance, but he did not. He was like, I'm, it's, I hope you get out. I'll wait for you Isn't outside, this supposed to be your, your soulmate dog, the one who protects you? Clearly, I'm the head of the household. <laughs> because he had no concern for me whatsoever. Hey, Every man for himself. Sometimes you got to look out for yourself. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He was like, bye. I, I always want to be in enough physical shape that I have that I can at least get five miles on whatever's chasing me that's very smart to do that happened to someone someone I read online there was some marathon runner that came in contact with a black bear and he outran it oh well I'm more scared of like people but yeah bears too we'll just fight yeah just ghosts anything you're smart to to do that to train and have that endurance for running I've learned though that I'm a fighter. Like, you have the fight or flight response, and I've learned that I'm a fighter, so I think I need to take combat classes. Oh, you should. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I'm running, I imagine that someone's chasing me, and it makes me go faster. That's really smart. It's a training tactic. <laughs> Listen to some spooky music and just run, run, run. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope that everyone goes out and gets outside and does a hike. Mm-hmm. That was the point of this episode is to encourage hiking and being outside. <laughs> yep, exactly. We thought everyone's going to want to do it. So why not make them terrified of doing it? Mm-hmm. It's that much more fun. Yeah. Conquer your fears. We should get paid for advertising for getting people outside. There Aren't there like commercials where they're like, it's just promoting kids getting outside? Yep. I think yeah. they should hire probably. us. And we'll tell them. And we'll stories. chase them. And we'll chase them. <laughs> Everyone will will get five miles on them. Yeah. Everyone will be really fit when Corinne and I chase them. Yep. Maybe not me. I'm a little slow. But should we read stories, emails? Yeah. From people? Ooh, you know what we should do? We should read because we had emails from Leah and from Shonda, who are our friends, and they both emailed us right around the same time. Should we read their emails? Oh, yeah. Are they friends or are they coworkers? Um, They're both. both. <laughs> Who said you can't be friends with your coworkers? Okay, should I read Leah's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hello, ladies. I started listening to your podcast this morning, and it is very interesting, and y'all are hilarious. Uh, especially love hearing your mascot meowing in the background. Hey, Leah, do you hear that? She's nowhere to be found. <laughs> I was happy to hear a tale about, about Portsmouth since we stayed there once and loved it. I wish I had known about the Sice Hotel. We also once stayed in a rumor, rumored haunted hotel in Burlington, Vermont. 
my home. So you have already done haunted hotel theme, but my story takes place at the Hotel Monte Vista in Flagstaff, Arizona. My husband and I enjoy finding unique, quirky, and or historic hotels to stay at while traveling, which is how we ended up at the Hotel Monte Vista. A few summers ago, we took a road trip from Texas to the Grand Canyon with my mother and one of my nephews. We were all excited about staying at this hotel and hoped one of us got to stay in a haunted room. My mother and nephew actually ended up in room 210, which is the room haunted by the bellboy. My mother and nephew retired after dinner, and my husband and I decided to wander around touring the hotel. We also decided to play a prank on them by softly knocking on the door and saying, Room service. That's so mean. They didn't fall for it, but we had a good laugh. (laughs) I would laugh at that too. Um, My husband and I ended up at the cocktail lounge enjoying a few spirits before heading to bed. I decided to head up before my husband because he wanted to play pool with some of the locals. A few hours later, I wake up because I feel something. The next thing I know, someone is pulling my leg up and out of the bed. (sighs) I hear my husband snoring beside me, so I know it isn't him playing a prank. I can feel myself being pulled down the bed, so I turn and grab for my husband to hold onto him, and then it's over. I sit up and scan the room, my heart pounding. Nothing was there. Thanks, Leah. I'm visibly disgusted with that yeah. story. I'm so scared. That's that's every fear that I think we talk about. It, it's all of it, all in one. And and usually, you know how we always say that like you're protected when you're under the covers, mm-hmm. but clearly not. This ghost pulled her foot up and out of the covers. And then the fact that your husband or whoever it is is right. They're there. And they're not able to help you or protect you. Well, you're like she, she did anchor reaching. on. She anchored on to him. I know, but he didn't wake up. I know. Like, oh, let me help you. Like that was oh her gosh. thinking. And grabbing so him. scary. All right. Well, let me read her friends. <laughs> Shonda wrote. Back in my college days, 1999 time frame, I worked for a hotel in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as a front desk clerk. The hotel I worked at was near the airport, so we got a lot of people who were just put up there for the night due to the flight cancellations. They were called airline voucher guests. One year during Christmas holiday, an airline voucher guest who was traveling home, back home to South America had a heart attack in his room and died. After his death, strange things would happen specifically tied to that room. The hotel engineer would get calls from guests staying in that room saying that their TV was turning on and off for no reason. One mom and son who stayed in the room requested to be moved that night because the son out of nowhere said, Mommy, there's a man in the closet. Oh, (laughs) that's why you closed your closet door earlier. That's why I did. So scary. Needless to say, the mom was terrified and didn't want to stay in the room anymore. Another time, a man who was checking out the room disputed a phone call charge that was pretty costly. I printed his bill out to show him that the call was in fact made from his room, and it was an out-of-country call. I even checked our phone records. He disputed the call and said that he didn't know anyone from that area. We took the call off of his bill and decided to investigate. We knew the room he was staying in was the one with the death. I feel like you have to tell people before you let but it's them not stay like- in the room. But it's not like they're buying the place. They're just staying there. I know. It just seems wrong. Okay. Um, we decided to look in the hotel incident report to read more about the death and get more info on the person who died in the room. And to our surprise, the man who died was, in fact, from South America, the same area the call was made. The incident report said that he was traveling home with presents for his family when he had passed away. Aww. At the time, I know very sad what a kind guy just bring back presents so at this point in time another co-worker had had a dream about this particular man who passed away she even talked to a priest about it because her dream was so vivid she explained she was standing in the back of the hallway of the hotel right in front of the room where the man had died this man walked out of the wall stood in front of her and said my name is raul please help me i'm stuck please get me out he spoke this to her in Spanish. After she told me and a few other girls at the hotel the story, we decided this man was stuck and he needed our help. So we were going to talk to him through a Ouija board <laughs> no. and help him get out of the room that he was stuck in. It was me and five other girls in the hotel 
and we tried to connect. Of course, the Ouija didn't move. That only happens when you're a kid playing, right? Yep. Um, well, sometimes. Nope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Just don't try it. <laughs> After no luck, we all giggled about the thought of the Ouija board working to talk to ghosts and went home. I got home to my apartment I shared with two other girls that I had worked with at the time, and as soon as I walked through the door, my roommate's little dog started growling at me. Strange, I thought. What's wrong with you, Sophie? Then both of my cats started to hiss and arch their backs. I knew exactly what this meant. Oh, I just got full chills. Yeah. Animals and kids see ghosts, or feel their presence at least. So I sit on the couch and I tell the dog to jump and sit next to me like she always does. And Sophie does not comply. She continues to growl and won't jump on the couch. She isn't even looking at me. She is looking beside <gasps> me, growling. Oh. <laughs> the ghost had followed me home. At this point, I'm alone and I'm totally freaked out. I call my roommates at work to quasi-explain the situation and to come home immediately. And they laugh at me, of course, and they don't come home. I'm there alone, yelling out loud, you're out of the hotel, now leave me alone, go home, hoping that this would help or do something. After a while of me freaking out and hiding under the covers, see, under the covers, it's supposed see? to work. It's supposed to, but... The animals calm down and nothing else happens. I can only assume the ghost found its way home and all was right in the world of ghosts. I've always had a sixth sense about me. Sometimes I see people and children at night while I'm sleeping, standing beside my bed. Nothing bad ever happened, but it seems they show themselves to me for one reason or another. My brother-in-law's deceased girlfriend even came to me in a dream to tell me she was okay and it wasn't his fault. Literally slapped me in the face to wake me up so I could give him the message. She had passed away alone in their home when he was out of town. Spirits are drawn to me, I guess, because I'm a believer. Thanks for reading my ghost story, Shonda. Wow. There's so many layers to that story. I know. There's so much. And, like, she's obviously sensitive enough that she's aware of exactly what's happening and can see everything. It's not just like, oh, I get a bad feeling. Right. But it's also crazy because her coworker got the message at first mm -hmm. in a dream and then it the ghost chose to follow her to follow shonda home and not her co-worker who sh who he had already talked to that's true that's very strange maybe the co-worker is only able to get messages via dreams mm -hmm. or maybe shonda was just more open in the moment yeah. when they were doing the ouija board and so he Decided for energy. Mm -hmm. It's really sad, though. He just wanted to get home to his family, and he never got to give the presents yeah. he wanted to. I do have one question, though, because in the dream to the coworker, he said, my name is Raul. Mm -hmm. Was that verified in the reports? Oh. Was that him? Or was that another ghost maybe coming forth? Dang. Leah and Shonda... Our friends and coworkers, and both obviously very sensitive to the paranormal. Holy yeah. crap. It's always okay. good to have a ghost buddy. Yeah, it's like a thunder buddy, but for ghosts. Oh. <laughs> but that's kind of different, though, isn't it? Because thunder buddy you hold on to when there's a storm. A ghost buddy, does that mean that you hold on to your ghost buddy when there's a ghost? No, because you're my ghost buddy. So I just think about you and say, Sabrina's spirit, Sabrina's energy will get me through this. And then I tell you about what happened. Right. I kind of like the idea that oh, if you saw a ghost, you'd get on a plane, fly to me, and hold on to me just to be safe. <laughs> and then hold you just get back moment. on the plane and go. <laughs> yeah. They appear and I go, oh, wait, excuse me for one moment. And then I just hop on a plane. Yep. <laughs> and then I return and I'm like, okay, continue. Ghost plane part two. Oh man, just all keeps coming back together. What yeah. a great episode. We're so clever. We planned this. It's like we wrote it. We <laughs> did it. It sounds like we don't know what we're talking about and we never know where the conversation is going, but actually this entire podcast is scripted. Well, thanks um, for sending us stories, you guys. We yeah. absolutely love reading them. Everyone else should send us their stories. We love getting them, as we've made it very clear in every episode. We tell you how much we love it. Yep. If you have any, like, photos or EVPs, oh. send us them. Well, yeah. Send them to us to our email at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. 
and follow us on all of our social media. Mm-hmm. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have a Facebook page, a Facebook yeah. group as well that is private, so you can share ghost stories. A lot of people have been posting um, their own ghost stories on the page just to share with each other, and then also plenty of creepy videos yeah. that are circulating the web. So It's awesome. Nightmares. Whenever it says someone's posted in Two Girls, One Ghost, I'm like, mm-mm. Not checking if it's nighttime. If it's anytime past 4 p.m. when I know the sun's going down soon, I'm just like, cool, I'll look at 8 a.m. Yeah, I'll look at it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, one last thing I wanted to say before we go is the um, editing last week, a ghost did not mess it up. I did. <laughs> and I wanted to say sorry because uh, – and we're actually playing the promo in the beginning of this episode. So if you heard it, it's for a Taste of Reality podcast, and they're awesome. The whole month of October, they're doing a bunch of spooky specials, and they're really good, so you guys should all listen to them. So and excited for all of that. Yay, human error. Woo! Oh, and um, not that it's related to human error, but please, if you like our podcast, <laughs> subscribe and rate us. And write us a review on iTunes. Yeah. That really helps. We love that as much as people emailing us. Almost more. Because it's like stroking our egos. Mm-hmm. And then when people write bad ones, we send them to each other and then cry together. All night. Mm-hmm. Maybe for days. Yes. Weeks. Sabrina especially. Th- for the yeah. following few days after a poor review has been made, she reminds me that we got that poor review. <laughs> Every morning. I imagine (laughs) I'm going to die one day after reading a poor review, and I'm going to haunt everyone as a wailing, crying ghost. (gasps) It's just so sad because of a poor review. So don't do it. No, don't. We'll never get over it. We'll cry forever. Yep, and we'll be forever attached to the land. Yes. Okay, on that note, we will will see you you on the the other other side. side.